Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to our discussion of Philippians. Uh, I put a little poll there for those of you who are here early, asking if you were familiar with the term Christian nationalism. Uh, and I'll explain why as we go here. Uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, we are living in pretty intense uh, times here in the U.S., but really in the whole Western world, and you could argue uh, in the whole world. Uh, some have described what's going on here politically in America as a, uh, a civil war, a cold civil war, and uh there are signs that it could turn into a hot war before all this is said and done. Uh, we have very strong division between the political left and the political right. And as we've talked about, what goes on in the world typically makes its way into the church. And so we see Christians drawing up battle lines, lining up with uh, a certain political party or uh, ideology, that kind of thing. And one of, the, uh, one of the discussions and debates that has uh, arisen through this is what's called Christian nationalism. Now, uh, I say that it's, uh, it's really kind of hard to define, and uh, not everyone agrees with what the debate is about when it comes to Christian nationalism. But uh, in at least one arena, the discussion is whether or not America has a Christian destiny. Are we, in any sense, as Americans, uh, a, a Christian nation? Uh, and, and what they mean is not so much a nation founded on biblical principles or Christian principles. I think everyone would agree when you read the, the Founding Fathers, you read the, uh, the foundational documents of America and, and even the purpose for which you know, the early pilgrims came to uh, to North America, that kind of thing. Uh, there was a great deal of, of Protestant, Christian Protestant influence in, uh, in how all of this got started. So everyone would agree with that. But the question is, is there some uh, almost spiritual God-ordained element to America as a Christian nation? And uh, is, that, uh, is that something that we as Christians should be fighting for? Uh, well, it's a, it's a hard, complex, difficult question, and it exposes you know, all kinds of other things that need to be discussed. What we're going to see today in Philippians 3 is, regardless of where we come down on that or any other political decision and question, uh, we need to be clear on where our allegiance lies and where our citizenship lies. So we're going to talk about that today in Philippians chapter 3. Glad you're with us. Uh, good morning, Jenny. Good morning, uh, the rest of you who are with us. Uh, glad that you are here. And if you have questions or comments along the way, feel free to put them in the chat and uh, we'll take some time to interact with them. Uh, my name is Doug. If you're new, my name is Doug, and uh, we gather here every uh, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we're glad to have you along. And uh, in, the, in the midst of all the stuff going on, in the midst of our political concerns and high inflation, and uh, there could be a Supreme Court decision coming down today on government mandates of vaccines, and uh, that'll have impact. And in, in the midst of all of this turmoil, I want to remind you, today is a good day. 
because the Lord Jesus Christ made this day. And because he is reigning over heaven and earth and he is our savior and our king, we can rejoice and be glad in it. So uh, do that today uh, as we uh, as we carry on. Uh, on a personal note, I want to tell you that uh, my son, his newest musical release is out at uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Time this evening. It's called Beautiful Day, and uh, it's a good one. So uh, get on your uh, your platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, whatever, uh, a little bit later this evening, and uh, give it a listen. And I might just preview it tomorrow uh, on the uh, the program here. We'll see. Anyway, glad you're with us, and, uh, and uh, it's, it is a beautiful day. All right, so let's look at what uh, Paul has to say to the uh, Philippians here in chapter 3. He starts verse 20. We, we got through verse 19 yesterday. He starts verse 20 with this word, for. Uh, and he's explaining what he has just said. So he says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go back up and, and why is he saying this? What's he responding to with this for? Now, as a setup here, I want to get back to what I mentioned in the opening. Uh, one of the questions that we as Christians have to wrestle with always, and it is certainly true in a time like we live in, is what is our relationship to the government? And, and what is our relationship to the nation? This is a big, big controversy right now, right? You know this. Uh, one thing Donald Trump did, and regardless of your, your position on him and what has happened over the last several years, he exposed a, a diversity of opinion in the U.S. and really in the world and exposed what's going on on the political left. As Christians, we need to be aware, we need to be fully aware of what the left is all about. Now, when I say what I'm about to say, it does not mean that everybody on the right is correct. It doesn't mean that Republicans and conservatives, uh, as they're defined today, are correct. But when you look at the platform of the left, it's corrupt. It's wicked. The, the stated agenda by the political left here in the U.S. is hostile to a Christian ethic. And our current administration is exposing that and the continual push for uh, abortion rights and for, um, uh, for sexual freedom and sexual sin and pushing all the boundaries of, of sexual morality, uh, exposes this, and statism, and the fact that the government is our savior, and we should look to the government for everything, whether it's uh, education, or health care, uh, or financial support, everything is driven by the quote-unquote king, the government, the, the leaders. Uh, and the left is continually pushing this agenda that is part of a, a worldwide group. If you are not familiar with the World Economic Forum, I encourage you to go to their YouTube page and watch some videos. It's all laid out there, and its uh, agenda really is uh, socialism in its worst form, 
but they're couching all of it in uh, in different language. They're using words like capitalism, but they call it stakeholder capitalism rather than shareholder capitalism. And uh, this guy Klaus Schwab has an agenda that uh, one of the stakeholders, for instance, in this new form of capitalism is nature. And so we need to operate businesses as though nature is one of the stakeholders and the climate crisis, all of those things, climate change, all that stuff is incorporated in this, in this view. It's basically socialism. And the political left here in America is very much on board with, uh, with that organization. And, uh, and it's, it's destructive. It can only end in disaster. Uh, we need to be aware of it. Now, again, that does not mean that, uh, that the political right has it all together. Boy, in some ways, you think, at least here in the U.S., that the political right is is not a whole lot different from the political left. They're just a little slower and less organized and less emphatic. And and uh, I don't know. Uh, but what we always have to be careful of as Christians is that we never look to the government as our savior, as our king, as our provider. That is not the place of government. And one of the things that has resulted as Christians have gotten caught up in this uh, political battle is uh, we pick a side, but the underlying assumption can be, I'm not going to look to the political left as my savior and king and provider. I'm going to look at the political right. I'm going to look at conservatives and, and, uh, and Republicans, that kind of thing. We're not very good thinkers as Christians these days, it seems to me. Uh, hence the word Christian nationalism. Uh, nation is a good thing. Nation is a biblical concept, and I don't believe we're ever going to have a one-world government. I believe Jesus is the ruler of nations, and there will be nations for him to rule, not just one nation. Uh, we can have that discussion some other time. Uh, nations are good. Nationalism is a bad thing, like most isms is a dangerous thing, right? Uh, pragmatics is a good thing to, to be aware of the practical implications of things and to make some decisions based on uh, their practical implications. That's a good thing. But when you add the ism to it, pragmatism is now a philosophy that is, uh, is dangerous. Uh, someone has said, beware of all isms except prisms. And uh, in some ways, I think that is true. So Christian nationalism is a problem. We need to be better thinkers here. Uh, we need to look to see what the scripture says about nations and what it means to be a, a citizen of the United States of America, for instance. And we should care about law and order. One thing that Donald Trump did repeat over and over again is that, that we must be a nation of law and order. And that was exactly right. Whether or not he carried it out and, and all of that, the principle is absolutely right. We as Christians must care about law and order because God is a God of justice. And we should want leaders who are going to uh, pass just laws and then enforce those just laws. We need to think in terms of, of na nations, and that does spill over to the questions of whether it's okay to have borders and, and citizenship and, and immigration, all of those things. There are uh, biblical answers to a lot of those questions. But what we must never do as Christians is look to the government and the state as our Savior and our King and our provider. 
And that's the danger that we run into as we respond to the wickedness of the political left that we run to the political right. And we can very easily set our minds on the things of this earth. And that's what Paul is is dealing with with the Philippians. These people that he said, don't walk like these people. Remember, we looked at this. He, he said, walk like us and find people who walk like us. That's the Apostle Paul and, and some others. He says, because many walk, of whom I've often told you and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of Christ. And then he described these enemies. And I want to go backwards from, from the final thing he says, back up the line here. These people set their minds on earthly things. The temptation, as we are caught up in in the cultural and political battle of our day, the temptation is to become consumed with earthly things. Now, we can go too far the other way, right? We can be so caught up. You know the old cliche statement, that person is so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. Well, I don't think it's actually possible to do that, but it is possible to have almost a Gnostic view of things where we, we um, set aside, we, we, we look at all of, of life as evil and, and just long for heaven and, and everything in this life is evil. That, no, the world is not evil inherently. It's become sinful, but we are to live this life and live it well and those kind of things. But we aren't to set our minds on earthly things. Uh, as C.S. Lewis said, if we aim at heaven, we get earth thrown in. If we aim at earth, we get neither. If we aim at heaven, if we have our mindset on heaven, then we can live the earthly life and, and live it well and do what the Lord has called us to do. But if we are consumed with the secular, if we're consumed with the here and now, then we lose heaven in that. These wicked men are are setting their minds on earthly things. That's their whole focus. And he says, they glory in their shame. Their God is their appetite. It's all about the sensual, all about what makes them feel good now. Their destiny, their end is destruction. And notice how he described them. They are enemies of the, of the cross of Christ. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that he didn't just say they're enemies of Christ, He says they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Why would he say that? Well, what does the cross represent? It represents death and suffering and shame. Remember he said back up here, we looked at it. Uh, He said, we want to know Christ and we want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And we talked about that being resurrection power to uh, overcome evil. He says, we want to know the fellowship of his sufferings and be conformed to his death. All that means dying, dying to self, dying to our wicked desires, dying to our pleasures and preferences where they compete with his. Those who are the health and wealth, prosperity preachers, those who are consumed with this world, this earth, They don't want to talk about dying and death and pain and suffering and persecution and affliction. No, no, it's all about happiness and and prosperity in this life. 
these teachers are enemies, not just of Christ, but of the cross of Christ, but because the idea of self-denial and suffering is anathema to them. He says, we, we can't, we can't go there. Uh, that's not what we're about. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. Now, that word citizenship, the way it's translated here, is, is not exactly right. In the New American Standard, you see there's a little one here, and that indicates there is a marginal note. And if you look in your marginal note, it says this word is literally commonwealth. I wish they would translate it that way. Our commonwealth, our nation, the country to which we belong is not here on earth. It's in heaven. It's important for us to keep that in mind as we live in the U.S. or whatever nation you live in. It's important to keep in mind that we are part of that nation as humans. And again, there are, there are Christian um, uh, we, we can search the scripture to learn how we're to live in this nation, but we belong, we pledge our allegiance to a commonwealth that is in heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting for a savior. Who is that savior? He's the Lord. And by name, he is Jesus, the Messiah. Now, Paul chooses this language on purpose. The Philippians, the city of Philippi, was a commonwealth who was aligned with Rome. They were, as far as distance, they were quite a ways from Rome. But if you remember, we talked about this, they had been incorporated under the Roman umbrella and they were given the privileges and rights of a Roman colony. And so they, not, not every Greek city uh, enjoyed this, but Philippi did. And so they were uh, full citizens of Rome. That gave them a great deal of power and pride in their nation. And Caesar presented himself as the savior of the empire. And so the Philippian people prided themselves on their nation and their king, their emperor, who was the savior of people. And he would provide for his people. And he would protect his people. And he was the one the people should look to for support, for taking care of them financially, protecting them militarily, for handling their needs. See what's going on here? And Jesus... uh, Paul says, no, 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 no. We don't look to the emperor. We don't look to Caesar as our savior. We have a savior in our nation, in our commonwealth. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah and he is Lord. Caesar is not our Lord. He's not our savior. And Philippi, Rome, they are not our nation. So as Americans, we need to think this through. Our allegiance is not to the United States of America or whatever nation you live in. There is a place for being a good citizen. And again, that, that's a, maybe a separate topic for another time. But we must always keep our focus on our heavenly citizenship, our Savior who's coming, 
His name is Jesus. And never hand over our expectation of kingship and provision and support, education, all of those things to an earthly government. I see a few uh, comments and questions here. So let me, uh, let me take a look at these as we go. Darren says, uh, the Anabaptist taught that a Christian should not participate in the magistrate. What do I think? Um, I think they're wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't see any biblical prohibition for participating in government work, uh, so long as we keep what we've been discussing here in its proper balance. Um, I don't think the state is evil. I don't think that, uh, especially here in America, uh, as evil as it is becoming, the laws that we are passing are evil laws. For Christians to be involved in a republic, we can facilitate change. I mean, how wonderful would it be if our Congress was full of Christians? The kinds of laws they would pass would be much better than what we see going on now. And that would make our world better. It would make our nation better. I, I would like to see Christians run for office and stay loyal to Christ and, uh, and, and see what a difference that would make. Uh, so I think the Anabaptists were wrong on this. They were right on some things for sure, but I think they were wrong on this. And if you have a uh, pushback or follow up on that, I'm happy to, uh, to engage a little bit further. Uh, Karen says, do you think a post mill encourages Christian nationalism? Yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Uh, and I touched on the uh, post mill position a little bit yesterday. Um, I don't know that it's fair to say that the post mill view itself does this um, because it, it seems to me that a, a uh, biblically informed post mill view would uh, would not be so focused on America. But I would say there's plenty of folks in the uh, post-mill camp today who very much are supportive of the Christian nationalist perspective. Uh, at least what I see, and you know, this is a broad generalization, and we have to be careful with this, but uh, there is a... Um, there is a pushback to the pessimism of, uh, say, a dispensational premillennialism. Um, as most of you probably know, I am not a dispensationalist. Uh, I believe uh, they err on some very important uh, biblical teaching. I don't believe that we are waiting for the rapture of the church so that uh, God can finish his program with Israel and usher in the Antichrist who's going to make a covenant with, uh, with Israel and, uh, and destroy them and that kind of thing. I don't think that's where this is heading. Um, that view is very pessimistic about about the world and and one of the uh, one of the, the metaphors one of the the sort of proverbial statements that dispensationalists have used is uh, 
there's no use polishing brass on a sinking ship. You know, like the Lord's going to come back any minute. And, uh, and when he does, it's just all going to be awful and going to be destroyed. And so what's the point of trying to make the world a better place? What's the point of trying to, uh, build better government, better anything, because, you know, the end is coming. It's upon us. And uh, with the formation of Israel as a nation again in 1948, that's been the recurring theme, at least for the last 60, 70, 80 years, that kind of thing. And uh, and I don't think that's a biblical perspective at all. I, I think to uh, look at this ship as sinking in that, in the way that phrase uses it is, is doesn't correspond with what I see in the scripture. Um, I think we are to live life and live it the way God designed it, and uh, and build civilization. I don't think the creation mandate has been removed. I think we are to take charge of this earth. Now, we don't know when the end is coming. We don't know what the end looks like. And certainly, if we're in the midst of, uh, of trying to make you know, a better civilization, and the Lord comes back and and transforms it all and, and uh, glorifies it all and burns it all up, well, uh, great, that's his, uh, his prerogative. But until then, because we don't know when that end is, and look, it's been 2,000 years, right? Uh, as you read the reading, writings of the, of the apostles, they seem to think this could happen any moment. Uh, you look at 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul's describing uh, those who in the twinkling of an eye will be changed. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. He said, right? Uh, some of, and he uses we, uh, you know, I don't know if he understood how far into the future the return of Christ was going to be. I, I just don't know. Uh, but there's, he certainly talked about it as though it could happen any moment. The, the passage I just, I just read to you, right? We um, eagerly wait for a savior, this is a word he uses a lot. We are eagerly waiting. Well, Paul, in 2,000 years ago, was saying, I'm waiting with, with eagerness for the return of the Lord. And so uh, there is this, this sense of um, expectation, but it's been 2,000 years. So all that to say, I think we need to, to not be pessimistic. We should be involved in politics. We should be involved in, in real science that is pursuing knowledge of this world. Christians being involved in science is fantastic. Uh, in business, in, in all of these things to, uh, to increase industry and productivity. We need to get back to the strength of the households where uh, families are being raised up to, to strengthen our, our world. And uh, again, this is what the left has done. This is what socialism is trying to do, is trying to destroy the family and, and destroy the very fabric of our, our, uh, our culture uh, because we've built the better cultures that we have based on Christian worldview. That, I believe, is absolutely true. And socialism is seeking to destroy that. And we need to get back to that and have a higher priority than ever of the family and educating our children in a Christian worldview and taking charge of this planet. But that is a far cry from Christian nationalism, the way it is often defined in terms of this uh, Christian destiny in America. Um, you know, I don't know what God's plan for America is. If the left continues to have control, 
then it's hard to see how uh, how God will just stand by and and um, let us persist in our great wickedness. But who knows? Maybe He is going to uh, bring revival and change and use America to have impact in a very positive way across the world. We don't know, but we know what our marching orders are today. So that's a very long answer to your question. Uh, I think post-millennialism can get there, but it's not inherent in it. Uh, Darren says, yes, he thinks it does. And and maybe you would agree with my characterization or maybe not. Um, And that's okay. Uh, Either way, I think we have to live here with with this uh, this careful perspective of on the one hand everything I just said I, I think is true we need to live as good citizens and we should hope for our nation whatever nation you live in you should work toward that nation seeking to please Jesus you have a king even if it's in the form of a republic government in the biblical terms that's the king Jesus is the king of those kings. And so she, we should want the king of our nation to bow the knee and serve the king of kings. At the same time, we must not place our hope in an earthly nation. Do you see that? I hope you do. Uh, do you have any last minute questions, comments uh, that I can address before we, before we sign off here? As I give you a moment to see if you have anything. Um, I just would urge you to ponder this and say, in your evaluation of what's happening in America politically, or again, wherever you are, have you unintentionally and almost subconsciously slipped into a view that the government is your protector and your provider and looking to the government for education, I, I believe, and this may open up a can of worms, we can, we can talk about it another time. I believe we as Christians should not be sending our children to an educational system run by our atheistic government. I think we should pull our kids out of that. The, the government, the king, is not responsible for educating our children. And I think we should not look to our government for our provider. And that's one that, that's that's the heart for me. That's the heart of this whole discussion of the mandate. I am hoping, I'm praying that the Supreme Court will rule that uh, the administration does not have the right to mandate vaccines. Um, there's the whole discussion of whether these vaccines are truly helpful and all of that. And, and there's a lot of concern I have about that. But there, in my opinion, there's even a bigger question here. Are we looking to the government to determine how our health is provided? If we are, if we give them that kind of power and our government is driven by an atheistic, statist worldview then the ramifications of that are severe. And I would say honor to Jesus and love for our neighbor requires us to say we don't want a government that has the power to determine what health is and what we must do to be healthy. And I realize that's a very big question uh, with a lot of implications, but we must be careful when we have the opportunity to vote 
and determine who our uh, leaders are and what laws they passed, we must be very careful not to hand over power to the government that the scripture does not give them. So anyway, we'll come back tomorrow and talk about, uh, about what it means when our Lord returns. Until then, uh, live today as a citizen of the commonwealth of heaven and eagerly wait for our Savior to come back and, uh, and worship him and serve him alone. And uh, may you rejoice and be glad in what he does. Till tomorrow, grace and peace to you. We'll see you then.